All right, friend, if you're struggling with driving anxiety, which is something that I struggled with for many years, I want to encourage you to join me for my free live class. In this class, I'm going to be diving into what overcoming driving anxiety actually looks like, and I'm going to be teaching you lots of practical tips that will help you to experience more peace and freedom behind the wheel. And I know you might be thinking, Shannon, I've tried and I just can't do it. It's so hard. And this is why I want you to join me. I want to show you that it is possible and that it doesn't have to be so hard. So for all of the details and to sign up, just head to the link in my show notes and save yourself a seat. And if you join me live, I'm going to be doing a Q&A at the end of the class so you can get your questions answered right on the spot. But if you can't attend live, no worries. You'll get a replay directly sent to your inbox. I hope to see you there. And we go back and forth between feeling the thing that might have been very threatening and then something less threatening until the body starts getting used to, oh, hey, I felt this feeling of anxiety and I didn't die. And that's essentially what we're doing is we're teaching the body that we don't have to fear these sensations or emotions that we feel because emotions are really just sensations and biochemical reactions in the body. And so we're teaching the nervous system and the brain, these are not things to be feared. And we can, in fact, be there to support ourselves through it, that we're going to be the ones to kind of get ourselves through it. Even if in the past we didn't have our primary caregivers who were there for us, we can do that now and rewire the system. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. All right, today I have Jamie with me. She is a trauma recovery coach and a licensed psychotherapist, and I'm so excited to have her here. She dives into so much goodness that often gets missed um, when we're talking about trauma and just anxiety and all the things in general. So welcome to A Healthy Push Podcast, Jamie. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. So can you just give us an intro to who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Jamie McCoy. As you said, um, I started my career as a licensed psychotherapist. So did that for about 13, 14 years or so, and eventually transitioned to becoming more of a coach to reach more people based on my own experiences. So, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of therapists in particular, getting to that line of work because they have their own challenges when they're growing up, whether that's with their families, with their own struggles, with their own identity or whatever they're feeling, just difficulties processing emotions, um, and just, you know, various things that we go through um, as we move through life. And for me, I just noticed that as I was moving through my training as a therapist and getting involved in doing one-on-one work, I was having some health challenges where I was just going from doctor to doctor to doctor, a lot of random diagnoses thrown my way, you know, some people that it's all in your head, here's some antidepressants, here's some benzos for your anxiety, whatever it is, throw the drugs at it, only made things worse. And then come to find out, I got diagnosed with Lyme disease and a, a handful of 
autoimmune conditions. And not a lot of therapists really understood the unique challenges of how that affects your mental health and how the mind and body are connected in this way. And eventually took some time off and was very sick, very bedridden at that time and just tried to figure out what led to this breakdown of my body? Like, how did I get here? And I really started doing more work into like, how did trauma um, play into this picture that my health was so affected? And because I obviously did go through experiences growing up that were pretty traumatic and chronic, and that weighs on the body over time. And of course, I studied more in the nervous system and how that is affected and how that is in control of your immune function. And I married these, these two things together to have much more of a holistic view of how I want to work with clients from this point forward. And so as I started going into more holistic health means to recover and then marrying that with my background as a therapist, I just pivoted my practice into just kind of integrative therapy and trauma work and working with the nervous system really intimately to help people recover from these issues and really connecting the mind and the body. Oh, it's so amazing. I know when I stumbled upon you on Instagram, I was like, whoa, okay, I have to have her on a Healthy Push podcast because you have such a holistic approach, but you cover so many things that often don't get covered. And just like you said, many people are struggling with even things like anxiety, depression, um, you know, mood issues, all these things. And they're just not given really any answers. And like your exact scenario, here's some medication or, you know, let's do some talk therapy. And those things, the traditional routes don't always work, especially yeah. relating to trauma. So I love that you talk about like nervous system regulation and somatic mm -hmm. therapy and nourishing your body. And these are all like huge pieces of just like life in general. So I know a lot of people, obviously, on my platform, they struggle with an anxiety disorder. But too, I hear, you know, they struggle with other things like chronic fatigue and depression. And, you know, some people do share, like you said, you know, illnesses like Lyme disease or other illnesses that they have no idea what they're struggling with. They just have a bunch of random symptoms. So can you talk to us? Let's just start with like, what is nervous system dysregulation? Yeah. So when we talk about the nervous system, we're talking about there's, we have a bunch of different systems, right? So there's your central nervous system, which is your brain and spinal cord, your autonomic nervous system, which is you're more familiar with when we talk about sympathetic fight or flight, when people talk about going into fight or flight, or in the parasympathetic state, which is more of that rest, digest, repair, and social engagement. And so when we talk about dysregulation in the system, we're talking about being outside of a window of tolerance where you're able to naturally go into a stress response in an appropriate situation and come back down to a baseline of, okay, I'm in this regulated state where um, I'm in more of that parasympathetic mode, rest, digest, repair. So I can go through a stressful situation and come back down. If we have dysregulation, we might go into this activated sympathetic fight or flight state and kind of stay in a chronic stress response, or if we've been in a chronic stress response for a really long time, the system runs out of energy, and then we crash into more of that chronic fatigue place, which is more of that freeze, shut down, immobilized state where we just are really crashed out on the couch, don't want to move, kind of numb and disconnected, and everything's a little bit more foggy. So that will often happen when we've been running on those stress hormones for a really long time. Um, and then the body's just like, we got to conserve 
this energy we've been, and it's trying to protect you. So it's doing all this stuff automatically. You're not choosing it. It's just what happens when we don't have that foundation of resources and baseline level of health in the body. And so it it can often happen when you've gone running on empty for a while. Um, And we don't often pick up the signals of, wow, as this is starting to happen. And so we often lose touch with that connection between the mind and the body and just kind of push past it. And before you know it, we can't really handle very much stress. Yeah. For sure. I know I like I'm you're talking and I'm thinking about, you know, back when I was struggling with panic disorder and agoraphobia and I was in talk therapy and I was trying a lot of the traditional methods and tools. And I remember a lot of the talk and even now on social media, what I often see is, you know, the exposure type work and facing the hard stuff. And I knew like I just felt this my body can't handle one more thing. Like I can't do this. I am so, and I didn't know back then what this was, but now knowing like my nervous system was so dysregulated, like never mind pushing myself to do this hard stuff that my system was already like, no, 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 no. I just felt like I can't like mentally drained, physically drained, like all of it. Mm -hmm. So I came across one of your posts and I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this woman. So in this post, you said, were you always just an anxious person or was your nervous system shaped by experiences and people that overwhelmed its capacity to cope? Mm. I just like that hit me and I was like, oh my gosh. I know that like so many people can resonate with this. And a lot of what I hear in the work that I do is, you know, I'm just an anxious person. I've always been this way. Can you sort of talk about this? Because I know there's much more like thought behind it than just that one sentence. Totally, totally. Yeah. So when we talk about how your nervous system develops, so that social engagement, rest, repair, parasympathetic, chill mode, that is not exactly, well, in particular, the social engagement part, how you interact with your environment, it's not quite developed when we come into this world. We get that developed and shaped by our primary caregivers and the environment around us. So our experiences growing up shape our nervous system. And so how our primary caregivers relate with our stress and their own stress affects how our nervous system is wired. And so if they have limited capacity, if they are not attuning, which is them picking up your cues, responding to your needs, being there to support you when you're having challenging emotions, or just any need, crying, right? How do they respond to you when you cry? Their response is going to shape how you decide to attune to yourself or respond to yourself and stress and life moving forward. And so it's not necessarily like you're born that way. It's shaped and influenced throughout your life to become a certain way. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I think, you know, the other part too, right, is like you share a lot of the messaging. This doesn't have to be how it is, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to be this person that's struggling so badly with whatever it is that you're struggling with. So. I, another thing, like I, I'm going to refer to so many posts that you have because I love them and they are just gold. But you shared something that said, you know, being calm won't always feel safe if mm-hmm. remaining on high alert enabled you to survive your past experiences. Right. Talk to me about that because that is so powerful. Yeah. So once again, going back to how we're shaped by our environment, and so. When we're little, we're so dependent on our primary caregivers and, you know, the environment around us to take care of us that if they're not okay, 
then we're not okay. And so if our primary caregivers aren't able to tolerate or be there to really respond and move through these stressful situations with us, we will often learn that it's not okay to have certain feelings or we have to be on the lookout to take care of them to make sure their stress levels are calm. And so we will kind of shove down our needs and take care of them and kind of be on the lookout for different cues of like, okay, if I notice that, you know, my mom or dad does this and it makes them kind of stressed and then they can't be as available for me, I'm going to want to pick up on those cues to protect myself so that I can make sure everything's okay. And so we're kind of constantly scanning the environment, looking for these cues. How can I make sure I'm protecting myself from these potential threats so that I can get what I need? And being on high alert like that, that's a very activated state of our nervous system. It's this kind of defensive prepping to fight or run away from a situation like how can I protect myself? It's constantly seeking this, I have to protect myself. And so if you're on high alert like that, and you're used to being on high alert like that, when you get into a state of stillness, it's going to feel very unnatural and potentially even more threatening because then how can I be on the lookout for everything if I'm calm? If I'm calm, then I can't be as prepared to run or fight a situation. And so we can't be as ready and to mobilize, which is what's happening, which is what our stress response is for, is to mobilize and get us to move to action. And so if we're still and we're not in action and we're being calm, then we're not going to be as quick to protect ourselves. And so it can feel very threatening to actually downregulate and be in stillness and be in like a peaceful state. It doesn't feel like we can trust that because we can't just get get quick to fight, right? Yeah. And you're so used to that. Like I remember my system was always on high alert and like ready for (laughs) anything and all things. Like I had everything planned out every second of the day. You know, if this happens, what if that happens, this is what I'll do. So, you know, it can feel very uncomfortable, um, sometimes even more uncomfortable than the actual anxiety or panic that you're experiencing because it's like a new discomfort. It's like, what is this? This doesn't feel right. So it's so, it can be so easy, I know, to get like stuck on that, that wheel. So can you talk to us about like, I know that this is a massive, massively broad subject, but you know, what does nervous system regulation look like? What, like, what are some of the foundations? Right. And so I think this is a common misconception about regulation. It's like, oh, once I become a regulated person, I'm just going to be chill and calm all the time. And that's not what nervous system regulation is. Nervous system regulation is the ability to let yourself mobilize and get to action when we need to and appropriately respond to cues in your environment and then come back to a baseline uh, of where you're, you're what we call this ventral vagal social engagement state where it's called kind of like a calm, alive presence, we can be present and engaged and feel safe. Um, and so we want to be able to have that ability. Let's let's mobilize when we need to and then come back to safety when the threat is removed. Um, and then if we need to be into more of that free state, that energy conservation mode, maybe we've really exerted ourselves and our body and our body needs to rest afterwards. That's okay. We want to down, you know, shift into more of that energy conservation mode when we need it. We just don't really want to stay stuck in any of these states for too long. We want to move in and out of our nervous system states and we can do this all throughout one day even, right? So regulation is having that ability to 
appropriately assess and respond to your environment internally and externally. Um, and so that's what we are trying to do when we do a lot of the work that I do, which is somatic work and helping you to get used to these internal and external cues in a very titrated, slow and gentle way as to not overwhelm the system initially, because it can be very scary to sometimes go into the body when that's the place we fear the most, a lot of the feelings and sensations that we have associated with it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I know people are thinking and wondering like, what is somatic therapy? I think we're seeing a lot more um, of it on social media now. And I know when I first learned of it, I was like, whoa, what is it? Like, I've never heard people talk about this. Can you give us an idea of like, what, what is it? Like, what is it meant to do? What can it look like? Yeah. So a very simple definition I like to give is connecting the brain and body through touch and movement or what we call neurosensory exercises. So it's like going into like exercising your nervous system, getting used to the bodily sensations and cues from your body in a way that you can no longer, that you don't have to fear them anymore. And so what happens when we go through different traumas throughout our life or overwhelming experiences, your brain memorizes these experiences through sensory data. I call it matching sensory data, where every one of these events is recorded in a neural pathway that's kind of set there so that anytime if whether you smell something, you hear something, you feel something, taste, touch, all these senses, if it, anything remotely reminds you of one of these past experiences that are threatening, your brain has that recorded so it can automatically react and go into these activated states or these shutdown states to protect us. And so what somatic therapy does is it helps us get used to sensation in a safe way and trying to really... Um, incorporate more triggers and cues of safety, things that feel non-threatening. And we can do that very slowly through going into a feeling and then pulling back when we need to. And that's called titration, where we slowly learn what feelings feel like when we have anxiety, we notice what happens in the body. We see how long we can stay with that sensation before it becomes overwhelming. And then we pull back. And then we give the body another cue of something a little bit more soothing. So maybe it's just a certain form of touch, whether that's holding your heart or even like a self hug, something like that, but just a cue of safety, something that feels a little less threatening. And we go back and forth between feeling the thing that might've been very threatening and then something less threatening until the body starts getting used to, oh, I, Hey, I felt this feeling of anxiety and I didn't die. And that's essentially what we're doing is we're teaching the body that we don't have to fear these sensations or emotions that we feel because emotions are really just sensations and biochemical reactions in the body. And so we're teaching the nervous system and the brain, these are not things to be feared. And we can, in fact, be there to support ourselves through it, that we're going to be the ones to kind of get ourselves through it. Even if in the past we didn't have our primary caregivers who were there for us, we can do that now and rewire the system. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It's and it's such hard work. I think like it's great work, but it can be really challenging because you're trying to teach your brain like an entirely new way mm-hmm. of just allowing the discomfort to be there and like when you're doing it of course, you know, it doesn't feel good. It feels so uncomfortable and this was a huge piece of my recovery was working on just, you know, acknowledging, allowing the emotions to be there, like learning how to, you know, quote, sit with them. And that was some of the hardest work because your like automatic response, right? Like, like you were saying, 
nope, like (laughs) this doesn't feel right. Like go back to that thing that you used to do that did work for you at some point. That that definitely is the thing that you should be doing. And it can be so hard to like even catch yourself when you're, you know, doing those behaviors or those things and working to, you know, practice the things that you know are healthier, but (laughs) not quite so easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like learning. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go. Yeah, no, that it's like learning a new language. It really is because your nervous system, it speaks the language of sensation. And so what we've learned when we have, especially when you've had a history of anxiety, there's a lot of sensation to be feared. It feels really uncomfortable. And so we want to just start teaching the the, the body, the nervous system that these are things that aren't going to kill us anymore. And that is a very scary and can be very uncomfortable process. And so it's why we, if you've never done this work, you want to typically go into it very slowly, very gently, and often pull back and work with what, you know, within the window of tolerance, what we call your capacity to tolerate. So if something feels too much, we don't just push through it. We stop, we stop. Um, So that's another tenant of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So Mm -hmm. can you talk to us? I know you have some like big pillars of, you know, what trauma healing looks like. Can you maybe share some truths of trauma healing? Cause I think, you know, some people, have certain thoughts, like going into it, what it might look like, what, you know, what it should look like. I think we all have expectations and that can be part of kind of what keeps us stuck. So like, what does healing from trauma actually look like? Yeah. I mean, I think like it's an ongoing process and I think this is something that a lot of people think, well, you get to this final destination and then you just don't react to anything anymore. But I think trauma healing is this ongoing process of nervous system regulation, which is another layered process of nourishing your body, you know, really giving it the nutrients it needs as well to be able to tolerate stress, which is a missing piece, I think, in a lot of this work where, you know, what happens on a nervous system level happens on a cellular level and vice versa. And so if you've been running off stress hormones for a very, very long time, that is going to deplete the cells of the nutrients it needs to make literal energy. And if you don't have energy, then you will be in a chronic freeze response, chronic fatigue, you know, and and not be able to go into this work. And so oftentimes you can't just jump from being in a shutdown state to I'm going to dive into every one of these, try, I'm going to heal this all. No, first we have to you know, nourish the body, give it a little bit more health. So you might need to start with that. Like, let's bring some life and energy back to the body through the nutrition. And then we can start going through, okay, let's do some gentle somatic practice, see what happens when we try and connect the brain and the body with a simple somatic practice. Um, and that can simply just be like, I, I, I know a lot of people like to do things like breath work, but I actually find for a lot of people, it can also be very activating to try and like count your breath and breathe in a certain way. And so I like to start with things like non-activating breath work, which is simply just noticing how deep does your breath go if you just take a natural breath, like as you're breathing, and then slowly try and deepen that over time through your connection with just simply connecting and touching different parts of your body and notice, does that shift the way your muscles move? Does it release any tension? But just noticing things as they naturally present. We don't have to manipulate them. We don't have to try and make them any different, but it's simply just getting to this process of 
knowing and how does your body respond as you are right now? We're not trying to change it. And I find that once you start connecting with intention with different parts of your body, with touch and movement, it will talk back. And sometimes that means in the form of new symptoms or sensations, and that doesn't mean you're going backwards. That's often a part of the process where some sensations might get louder. And so we just keep attuning to them um, and we keep noticing what happens. It's being very curious and non-judgmental. What happens when I try this, when I'm connecting in and noticing, okay, if that's too much, I'm going to give myself a break. So there's a lot of starts and stops. Um, it's moving very slowly. It's a process of being very curious what comes up without judging yourself because the judgment can often put us more deeper into an overwhelmed state. Because if you notice like, how does it feel? What state of my nervous system am I in? If I'm curious and I say, this thing is really interesting. This sensation is really interesting versus, oh my God, this is wrong. This is bad. I'm broken. How this is like, it's never going to get fixed. And so those two different uh, sentiments provide different nervous system states. And so we want to try and be curious to stay in more of that regulated state. Curiosity can bring us closer to regulation. So that's a part of the whole process is being very curious. And then once we get a little bit more of like, okay, I notice when I do this movement, I feel a little bit safer. We do that over and over and over because repetition is what rewires the system. And so we get a place of maybe incorporating another exercise and another one. And so we just kind of take it very slowly. And once we get to a place of feeling like, okay, I have a baseline level of I've tracked my nervous system a little bit. I'm noticing I'm able to tolerate a little bit more sensations and feelings without judging myself. Then we can get into more of the cognitive brain retraining stuff, which is working directly with the limbic system and trying to calm well, you know, the amygdala response, which is your little threat detector in your brain. And there are different methods and I have for that that are more psychosensory therapies that involve more visualization and just cognitive distractions and things that we bring on board um, to incorporate just shifting and calming that amygdala response. But it's a layered process of both, you know, holistic nutrition, body work, getting the somatic safety on board, and then the brain retraining, the limbic system rewiring to calm that just threat detection saying, okay, amygdala, thank you so much. You've seen everything as a threat for so long. We're going to teach you that not everything is a threat um, through a little bit more of the cognitive means. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so good. So, I'm just like sitting here, you know, a lot of people will ask me like, how, how did you recover? How did you get to the place that you're in? And it, like, it's so layered. It's not something that I can answer very simply, but those things that you touched on, definitely part of my recovery. Like they're huge. And I think often people, you know, especially with the nourishing your body part, <laughs> I get like the eye rolls mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, I used to think the same thing, but like go looking back through my journey, I'm like, I cannot believe that I treated my body that way. And like your body and brain are connected, right? Like no wonder I had so much brain fog, like fatigue, anxiety, just like I barely ate. If I did eat, it wasn't anything that had a whole ton of nutrients. Like just that part, I think we often lose sight of how much our body relies on nutrients. Like, you know, it is, it's such a cellular thing and it, it's so important. I'm glad that you touched on that and like those other things that you touched on huge too. So if somebody is starting to do, you know, some of the, the healing work um, to regulate their nervous system, what are like some signs that you can see and know like, okay, I'm, I'm healing? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I also say like when people are starting out too, it can be as simple as tuning in with your own cues of like, do you actually go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom? Do you eat when you're hungry? Mm. Do you drink when you're thirsty? Are you doing those things or do you habitually ignore those things? Because that's really where regulation starts and how you know you're starting to move along that spectrum of regulation is when you are tuning and responding to those cues. So like you're very aware, you have this deeper connection with, oh, I just heard my body ask for this and I'm going to respond to this just as a mother would with a baby. And we really have to think of it that way. Like we're babies all over again, attuning to ourselves this time and responding to those needs and those calls from our body. So you're able to do that. And then you can be with an emotion or a sensation, I say, even 10 seconds longer than you could the last time you sat with that feeling. And this is the other misconception, I think, when people talk about you have to sit and feel it to heal it. You can feel it to tolerance. Like that's the thing. You don't have to sit in the emotion all day, but practice noticing, okay, I'm having this sensation. This My heart rate's kind of increasing. My chest is getting tight. My shoulders are lifting up. This is a sign I know that I'm going into a sympathetic activated state. I wonder what would happen if I simply placed my hand on my chest and watched what my breathing did, if I just did that and then noticed the response. And if you can sit like that, for 20 seconds, whereas before you couldn't even do that at all. Now you know you're moving along that spectrum of regulation. And eventually, the more you do these things and attune to yourself, you will be able to stay 30 seconds and then a minute. And then you might be able to be with it for five minutes. And then you will have downregulated yourself from an activated state back into that ventral vagal social engagement state, which is our you know, place of safety. So you you kind of move slowly, you inch, you might feel like you're going back, but it's never backwards. It's simply just your nervous system saying, hey, that was too much. And then you try it again. And so it's just, we keep doing this dance with our body saying, I'm here. I'm still going to be here. I'm going to respond to you. It doesn't matter if I can tolerate 10 seconds of this sensation or 10 minutes of this sensation. As long as you are tuning to yourself, I look at regulation as being a success when it's in the response to yourself that matters. So are you taking that time to acknowledge it and say, okay, yeah, maybe I couldn't sit with it that long, but I'm attuning, I'm responding, and I'm changing the way I'm relating with myself through this experience instead of judging it. These are all signs of moving forward on that spectrum uh, towards greater regulation and safety in your body. Oh, I love that. Those are so good. I think like just what you hit on and like oftentimes you convince yourself like I'm I just took two steps back or three steps back it's like did you really are you just feeling you know are you allowing yourself to feel a little bit more like I think a lot when you're working to heal from anything can be confusing especially when there's a lot that you don't know right and like that's where I'm so grateful for people like you that you know fortunately or unfortunately both you went you had your own lived experience and then we're like there's a whole lot that I don't know and I'm going to educate myself and then I'm going to help other people because you know it's not just anxiety there are so many things out there that you know people are struggling with that these things can be so are so immensely helpful mm-hmm. so if people want to find and connect with you further Jamie I know not only you have amazing an amazing Instagram you have so many amazing resources so if people want to find you learn from you more where can they find you 
Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as my integrative therapist. And then I have my website, which is still kind of under construction, but you can have some, there's some resources there under my integrativetherapist.com. And I have a couple of free trainings that you can find in my link tree on my Instagram. Um, there's a free roadmap training where I talk about the process, the five steps I take most of my clients through when developing regulation. And then I have a free training I give on the five detours that I took, the mistakes I made, um, lessons I learned on the road to trauma recovery, just, just my own personal journey, what I've learned and how you can find appropriate support. And I go in that webinar, I talk about questions. You can ask different practitioners to make sure they're truly trauma trained because trauma informed is, is a buzzword these days. And not everyone really does have that training. They may have some lived experience, but I really did have to get a lot of extra training to go into this field. And not everybody has that, um, you know, ability to hold that space and have that awareness of their own physiology. And so that's just very important to understand how their own neurodevelopment affects how they work with their clients. So there's just a list of questions in that webinar. And then, yeah, so you can just kind of, I post content pretty regularly. Um, so a lot of free, free content on my Instagram, a lot of educational resources on there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. This has been so insightful and helpful, and I really appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And before I end this episode, I want to mention that I'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode or any others with somebody who you feel could benefit from what I share here. You sharing these episodes is what helps me to reach and support others who need it. And if you have an extra minute in your day today, I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and this too is what helps me to help more people to heal and overcome. All right, until next time, friend, keep taking healthy action. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.